Welcome everyone to episode 365 of the Film City Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and it's just me this week. So uh, we usually do this actually the week of 4th of July. I give the guys a week off and, and do the mid-year recap, so the end of the year recap doesn't have to be like 20 games long. So, uh, But uh, I think maybe two years ago I started uh, doing this mid-week mid-year um that way i can cover all the games from early earlier in the year uh recap them with bits from the from the episodes when we recorded on those games so that's what i'm going to be doing this week uh, i've got eight games on the list so we'll be covering dragon ball fighter z which was episode 341 celeste which is episode 342 which also has an outro or after outro uh, spoiler filled life is strange before the storm. So that's worth going back and, and listening to. I didn't put that in this episode cause I didn't want to spoil it for people. Uh, episode three forty three, which was Fortnite. episode three forty four, which was dynasty warriors nine uh, episode three forty nine, which is far cry five episode three fifty, which is Nino Kuni two revenant kingdom. Episode 353, which was God of War, and episode 356, which is Frostpunk. Uh, that's the, the most recent game I'll have on this list. There's a few games after that that I didn't put on because they were too recent, like Mario Tennis Aces. I feel like we recorded like two weeks ago. I know it was a little over a month ago now, but uh, we just recorded that, so I don't feel like I need to cover that one again. Uh, and then we just covered Cap- Life, uh, the Life is Strange prequel. Uh, the awesome adventures of captain spirit also very recent and then there's a few games i didn't put on here i didn't put uh, uh donkey kong country tropical freeze because that's a game that came out a couple years ago it was kind of a re-release for the switch so i didn't think i should put that on here so yeah without further ado uh this is from episode 341 which is dragon ball fighter z will did the heavy lifting in this one he was the only one that played it so he did a really good job recapping the game and, and what it was about so uh here is that army has been something that people who are familiar with dragon ball to an extent will know the red ribbon army is you know part of the universe yeah uh so after that there's the enemy warriors arc where you play as the villains of the game uh such so as frieza sal napa ginyu all those guys uh so that's you know you get the other perspective of the story of why android 21 is going after the bad guys uh, and I'm about halfway done with that one, and then the last one's the Android arc, where you kind of—I think you control Android 18, uh, but I'm not 100% sure. 18 and 16, but after that, I don't know how it works because I haven't really gotten there. Um, and then there's practice mode, which is where you uh, practice the game. There's training modes where you fight stationary opponents to work on your moves. There's battle tutorials, so like say Dan never played the game, you would go there, do the battle tutorials, you'd learn the game that way. They run you through everything. They run through the baseline of the mechanics where you can just kind of like button mash, uh, and they also get into the nuance of the controls where you kind of learn uh, the deeper part of the game because this game is pretty easy that you can pick up and play uh, and kind of have fun, but there is a lot more to the controls where if you mastered that, you could be really, really good at this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, like I'll get into the whole fighting in a little bit. And how that works. There's arcade mode where you fight the enemy team after enemy team to score the highest ranks that you can. Uh, and they're split into three different courses. So uh, there's the Snakeway course, the Extreme Gravity Spaceship course, and the Hyperbolic Time Chamber course. So you do those. Uh, you fight team after team where until you get to the end. And no matter, like, depending on how you do, you get a rank. So there's S, A, B, C, uh, those ranks. Oh, man, I have to, I have to play this. <laughs> 
Okay, so, it's hard to listen to you talk to it and like name all these things that I know about, and I'm like, I can like, picture it. Hyperbolic time chamber. And I'm like, I need to. Pl- I need to be in that. <laughs> um, and once you beat the course, you get the harder version of the course, and uh, that's how that works. There's local battle. So this is where you uh, and your friends can play together. Um, and you can also fight the computer here. So there's that. And then there is the arena matches where people within the lobby can play each other. So you go talk to this person. You get into the arena match. You're lined up in the arena. Another person goes, talks to the arena guy. He lines you up in the arena. And if there's like eight people in there, you'll get paired with the person who has the best connection with you. And then you fight within there, uh, which is pretty cool. Because me and my friend Evan were playing together, and we couldn't get the ring match to work, which is like the how you play with friends and whatnot. Uh, so we had to do it that way, and we got into a, the arena matches, and we got to play. So that was pretty cool, because like we live you know, down the street from each other. Our connections were pretty good, and we're able to play. Um, so then there is rankings, which is also pretty self-explanatory. Everything's ranked on BP, which is battle power. Um, the higher your BP is, the more the higher your rank is. Uh, there's also replays. You can watch saved replays from yourself or like more professional matches. Um, there is also the shop. So there is a loot box system to this game. Um, but how it works is you get in-game currency, which is the Zenny, which is the currency for the Dragon Ball universe. So when I started the game out, I had like 50,000 Zenny or whatever. And every day you get quests within the game that you get to complete. Like one of them is play three... Uh, World world matches where you play three games online against people. You'll get Zenny that way. Um, and 1,000 Zenny gets you a capsule, which is considered the loot box, which gives you the rewards. So that's where you get you know, the avatar characters for the lobby. Uh, you'll get different colors for them, so on and so forth. So that's how you unlock the more cosmetic stuff in the game. So, um, oh, there's also things. Eric, do you remember the Call of Duty calling cards? So like, yeah. you, you would kill yeah. somebody, their calling card would come up. So this game has that. Uh, that same system uh, where you unlock different like titles uh, like one can be Super Saiyan or like Kai Supreme Supreme Kai or something like that like you'll get to unlock those little uh, you know Dragon Ball call sign things um, and you also unlock other things called Z coins I don't really know what these are but it's got Mr. Satan on it and if you turn in 10 of them you get more uh, I don't know how that works. So at one point I had 90,000 Zenny, um, and I bought a ton of capsules and stuff like that. So I've unlocked a lot of cool stuff so far in the game. And I think it's pretty easy to get Zenny. Um, you can also buy it if you want, but I don't think there's a reason to. Do they have Sensu Bean microtransactions? So like mid-match you can buy a Sensu Bean. No, the only Sensu Bean that gets uh, that you can notice is a move that Krillin has. It's a move? Yeah, but it doesn't heal you. He just throws it and it hits them and does damage. That's kind of silly. I, I think. <laughs> I could be wrong. I don't use Krillin. Okay. But I do know he has a move called like Sensu Bean. Who's the cat that gives the Sensu Beans? What's his name? Um, Corrin. Corrin. Is Corrin a playable character? No. Because that I'm would be gonna... cool. I'm going to get into all the playable characters, too. Uh, There's also the information which tells you about updates of the game, like when DLC will become and blah, 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 blah. And then there's the gate where you exit and go to another lobby. Um, So characters in the game, you've got Android 16, Android 18, who gets assisted with Android 17, Android 21, then there's Beerus with Whis, Captain Ginyu with the rest of the Ginyu Force, uh, Cell, Frieza, Gohan, 
Uh, and there's two Gohans. There's adult Gohan and the child Gohan. There is Trunks, who um, there's him, and then there's child Trunks who goes into Go Tanks. Uh, there's Goku, which is normal Super Saiyan and Super Saiyan Blue Goku. Um, there's Goku Black, who gets assisted from Zamasu. Uh, I said Go Tanks hit Kid Buu, Nappa, Majin Buu, Krillin, Piccolo, Tien with Chaozu, uh, Vegeta with the normal Super Saiyan and Super Saiyan Blue, and then there's Yamcha. So how fighting works in this game, Dan, to answer your question is you pick a team, so any three fighters that you want. So the characters that I use usually is Goku Black as my leadoff, followed by Android 18, and then uh, Child Gohan. So while you're fighting, like that's your team, uh, you'll be out there, you'll be you know hitting, doing damage, so on and so forth. You can switch your character anytime you want. So like I play on Xbox, so like if I'm getting like if Goku Black's getting it handed to him. I will hold down the right bumper, and in will come Android 18. So that'll be my swap. That's my second swap. Or I can hold down the trigger, left trigger, and Gohan will come in to fight. Um, so you get to switch between them whenever, whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just you. If you're in a combo, you can't switch while you're in the middle of a combo. You have to wait until there's an opportunity that the game allows you to end up switching. Uh-huh. So while you're fighting, like the usual A attack, will you launch your energy blast? Like X is the easy attack, Y is the medium attack, and B is the heavy attack. Um, and then you can hold down A and X at the same time, and you'll charge your your key meter. And what that is is once it reaches like one, you can do an attack that uses one key, which is a more special attack than not being able to do it at all. Uh, your like special moves, like overall, take three key, and that's like ones that'll do a lot of damage. Um, and your key goes up to seven. So once you have that charged up to like two, three, four, five, you can rattle off some special moves in a row and do a lot of damage. Which is how I won with Goku Black in that fight that I was down uh, all of my guys. Um, so that's sort of how it works. Like RB, you'll use the attack that breaks blocks. Um, so when they're blocking, uh, you'll end up breaking that. Um, the cool move, though, that I like to do a lot, which kind of leads off, is where you hold down right trigger, and you'll fly into the enemy and start attacking them right away, which is a really cool way to approach the enemy without having to like run up to them. And there's also another move where you hold down B and Y, where you teleport behind them and kick them in the back, uh-huh. um, which uses uh, a key meter, which is cool. That's another way, because like if you're getting... If you're really far away or, like, you need a way to approach them and they're not expecting it, I do that quick. So you'll just, like... It, like It's kind of like instant transmission that Goku has, like, throughout the, the story uh, of the actual anime. So that's kind of like that, and they'll do that, teleport behind them, kick. So that was Will doing the super heavy lifting for the Dragon Ball Fighter Z episode, episode 341. Uh, he he did, a, did a great job covering that. That's a game I think... To this point, he is still the only one that's played. So, but I feel like he still plays it on occasion. So, so that's good. Um, for the next episode, it is going to be on Celeste, which was episode three forty two. Uh, I did not play this at this time for this episode. It would have only been Eric and Corey who would play it. I did play it again or play it later, later on, and uh, it's been one of my favorite game so far this year so wish i'd gotten to take take part in this discussion but but i didn't but eric and Corey did a great job so here's episode uh blurred from episode 342 celeste i was just trying to 
and F- fake news. Fast one. Fake yeah, news. Definitely fake news. There you go. Yeah, so I mean if it's in that same genre as games like Super Meat Boy, um yeah. what's that other two? Rogue Legacy? Sort of, but Rogue Legacy is a little less masochistic. And I honestly I think Celeste isn't uh to the point that a Super Meat Boy is. It's a little bit closer to um a Rogue Legacy or even like Mario than Rayman? Yeah. More more like that. I mean it, there is some really tough platforming, but um I don't think it's it's as difficult. I, I I didn't pull my hair out as much with Celeste as I did with a game like Super Meat Boy, although it is very similar in that you can uh, jump and grab onto walls. I think in Super Meat Boy you could just slide down them, though, right? You couldn't yep. go up them. Well, you could. By, by jumping. slamming and then slamming and slamming. And... Right, right. Yeah. Super so Meat Boy. You're so telling good. me Super Meat Boy is, is much harder than Celeste? Yes. Is it, in, like, infuriating? Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty frustrating, it. but, but simultaneously rewarding. Extremely yeah. rewarding. Yeah. However, I will say I felt the same, if not more, uh, rewarding feelings on the difficult platforming in Celeste than I did in Super Meat Boy. I guess in Super Meat Boy it was more of a thank God. Yeah, it, relief. But, whereas in Celeste, <laughs> it's like a victory. It's like yeah, that gotcha. was awesome. Like I am okay. the. I'm the best platformer in the world. It gives you that feeling. And I, I mean, I know that's not true, but when you really pull off one of the longer, uh, oh, longer like platforming, yeah, thanks. When you pull off one of those longer platforming challenges, um, it's, it's extremely rewarding. Wouldn't you agree, Eric? Oh my God. Yeah. It's yeah. uh it's a great adrenaline rush. And, uh, you know, I've been playing this game, as we discussed last week on silent, because I mostly play a laying in bed next to my sleeping wife and child. Um, so like it gives you that adrenaline rush where like, if I was by myself, I'd probably let out a, some sort of yelp. I with did. Excitement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of do the old fist pump in the air. So nobody can hear me. Um, it's, it's exhilarating to say yes. the least. It is the way the way the puzzles are crafted, and um, I said this last week too, and I'll say it again. But the the difficulty curve is beautiful, in my opinion. I can't really remember playing a game that scaled up in difficulty as well as Celeste. I has. agree with that completely. Yeah, uh, and that's really meaningful, especially when, like, at the end of the game, you're having the most pro- most problems. Um, I couldn't really. I was trying to think of another game that did that as well, and like the only one that came to mind were like the older Mario games. I don't know. I couldn't think of anything. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm towards. Well, I haven't beat it yet. I've I've got a, just about eight hours into it, and I'm towards the end of it, Corey. But I I love how. Uh, at least so far, the part I'm in is kind of like a culmination of each of the different levels. Mm-hmm. It's like one long um, platforming puzzle from each different uh, mechanic in the game. Yeah. Um, but like you said, like it just kind of builds up to to this this point, and it's just so well made. It is. Um, one thing that I want to mention, uh, and I I forgot my point, so I'm I'm vamping here a little bit. But it was what you just said, Eric, and now I can't remember it. The good point. Towards the end where it 
Oh yeah, has to uh, so, use all the mechanics. Right. So yeah, that's um, another thing I like about the game is each chapter kind of introduces its own mechanic, uh, and it's only seen in that chapter and towards the end of the game, to which Eric is referring to. But what I really like about that is, as soon as I started to get annoyed and frustrated with a mechanic, it moved on. Like I had beaten the chapter, and it was time to to find a new one. Um, specifically, the one where you're the wind one, where you're walking through wind. The whole time. That was my I, absolute favorite. I started to get annoyed. I, I enjoyed it too, but I mean, I enjoyed every chapter. But towards the end of that, like that was the one where I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to be at my normal speed hmm. doing these things again. Um, so that was welcome. But uh, I, I don't know exactly how many chapters there are, but um, each one has something unique. I can tell you. Oh, yeah. Are you in game currently? Well, I have it in sleep mode. Oh, there you go. But um, my favorite one is the one with the little, like, space blocks. They look like um, like a screenshot of a bunch of galaxies or something. Oh, it's just yeah, colored yeah, yeah. dots. But when you... So we should back up a little bit and talk about what the mechanics are. There's no, like, leveling up. There's no items to collect. Uh, there's collectibles, but they don't influence gameplay at all. All it is is a basic 2D platformer. You can jump and you can dash. And later on in the game, you do unlock a little additional thing, but uh, it's it's short-lived, and I wouldn't consider it part of the, the main gameplay. Uh, but that's it. So all it is is you and the puzzles and your expertise to get through them. Uh, but yeah, so my favorite... My favorite mechanic are those space blocks, or whatever you call them, that when you jump and dash through them, it pushes it pushes you, you like, what's the word? Uh, you transport through it at the same angle you came into your dash on it. Um, and that, I don't know, I just had a really good time with that, dashing through those things and, like, keeping it going, because after you go through it, it refreshes your dash, so you're midair blasting through these blocks, and then it pushes you towards the next one, and then you have to blast through that one in a different direction, and it just kind of goes from there. Uh, but it also does that that thing that good all good puzzle platformers do is um it introduces you to the mechanic in like the first part of the area and then by the end of it you've like mastered it did you have a favorite one eric favorite mechanic um i don't think i had one that stood out to me uh i think i pretty much enjoyed all of them yeah. To be honest with you, I didn't have one that I thought was really spectacular, but I think now that you mentioned that one, that one was pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to think now. No, I just liked the after the first two or three levels or worlds, I thought they started to get a lot more pretty to look at. Mm-hmm. Pretty much after the the hotel. Yeah. After the hotel, I. I I didn't love the look of the game before the hotel or during the hotel, but uh, one of the reasons I actually ended up buying it was because I was looking at screenshots of it, and I was like, oh, you know, I I think it looks kind of cool. There's different worlds that have different looks to them. Um, That's one of the reasons I bought it. And then the first couple of levels were all kind of shitty looking, just in color and kind of drabness, but I think they did that for a reason. But... um, yeah, I, I think I liked the look of the levels and just kind of the 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 way the game handled more than the actual mechanics, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. And it does it does handle extremely well. Um oh, yeah. you're playing on the Switch, Eric. I was playing on PC with the three sixty oh. controller. Okay. I struggled a little bit with the thumbstick. 
Um, uh, yes, I'm, I'm having the same issue. On I'm playing all in handheld mode on the Switch with mm-hmm. the Joy-Con connected. Okay. Um, and I don't. I maybe it's not just because of the Switch. I thought it was because of kind of the width of it. Um, my left thumb sometimes doesn't, and it's it's probably my fault. It doesn't always go in the direction I want to. Like if you jump into one of those red balls, yeah, and you hold the stick in a direction you want to go flying. I, you know, sometimes I had some issues with that. But the game reloads you into the world so fast that it really didn't bother me a lot. Much. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and I did switch a couple times to the D-pad just because it was more accurate yeah. in my jumps. Um, so it wasn't that big of that big of a deal, but uh, I guess it's worth noting that I did I did struggle with the thumbstick a little bit. I wonder, do, do these newer controllers do they have like do they have like grooves in the thumbstick so it can like settle into one of the eight directions? Does that know. make sense? No, I don't think so. They're fully. Once again, that was episode 342, Celeste, obviously. The interesting thing about that one is we also had an outro that we talked about the spoilers for Life is Strange before the storm, so that is definitely worth going back and listening to. Um, We love doing those spoiler casts, but we try not to have them as main topics for episodes. We try to do them in the outro. It's just easier that way. Um, So yeah, next up on the list is a game that you really can't talk about, gaming in 2018 without mentioning this game and it's Fortnite. so for the Fortnite episode we had a full crew full cast it was uh eric's friends jeff and showtime who he plays Fortnite a lot with uh so they were on for this week's episode and did a great job covering the game and talking about it we are going to have them on again hopefully to talk about season five uh won't be next week because next week's episode is going to be on octopath traveler but maybe the week after that we'll do We'll do Fortnite again. Um, we definitely want to have them back on because they were they were great fun to talk to about the game. So here's episode 343, Fortnite. And you drop in, and there's kind of a learning curve. Actually, it's a very big learning curve with the game because, A, you don't, just starting out, you don't really know where to go. Um, so it was nice for me personally, and I think you guys would agree, having um, our, our friend Vito, who we play with, had played quite a bit. Uh, so he kind of gave us the lay of the land with where to drop in the map and uh kind of where to find chests that would have good weapons mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so that's where you start out you find a place on the map where you want to drop in go ahead oh, I, think- I think i'd still be lost without Vito, so you know it's oh, yeah. Around, so yeah. <laughs> yeah i would agree with that yeah so you drop in, uh, you find, you, basically it's just a big scrum at the beginning. You start with nothing except like a pickaxe and you find buildings or, um, you know, uh, different scenery around that you can go in and hopefully find chests that have good weapons in them. So the weapons can range from, um, there's there's different colors of these weapons too. There's pistols, uh, submachine guns, assault rifles, um, sniper rifles, grenade launcher, rocket launcher, then there's grenades like the boogie bomb which if you throw it at people oh. everybody that's in the the area of effect just starts dancing so they can't it's a terrible anything. part of the game <laughs> and you can you can throw it at your own teammates so yes oh nice and that that's like uh heroes of the storm has something similar doesn't it one of the heroes has an ability that does it creates like a dance floor oh yeah that's etc oh, yeah etc yeah. does that yeah yeah um there's smoke grenades regular grenades um, is there any other weapons that I'm missing? Did you say shotguns? 
Shotguns, yeah, shotguns. So, you know, you have your long range, your mid range, and your short range. But within those, there's there's different uh, classes. Of them, basically, there's the, the basic gray, which is kind of the low power. There's green, um, blue, purple, and yellow. Um, and ye- the yellow and purple are both scars for the assault rifles, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so they look a little bit different. High powered, and then they also have um, long range assault rifles with scopes on them. Um, I guess we can kind of go around and talk about what we like to use as far as weapons go. I personally like the assault rifle best, but I, I love when I can find a sniper rifle to pair with it or a scope. Um, I'm terrible with the close range weapons, so if I get in a close range fight, I'm pretty much screwed. Um, Jeff? Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you there. I mean, if you have an assault rifle, I feel like that's kind of the go-to for pretty much any battle you're going to be in. You want the assault rifle. Um, I also like the sniper, but I'm terrible with it. So I can't shoot anybody, not even close. Like, I mean, it's, it's pretty embarrassing, uh, how bad I am with the sniper, but, but I definitely like the sniper. I like the pistols actually quite a bit for, for close range because they're really accurate. You know what I mean? Like you can really hone in on someone's on the headshot and, and hit them with a bunch of pistol shots. Uh, but I would say one of my favorite things in the game weapons or, or items wise is, is probably the legendary bush. Oh Yeah. Showtime's not a fan of the bush, but you get the well, bush. Gonna, we'll get into the bush. <laughs> we'll get more. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Strategy. No, you're right. You're right. You're yeah. right. So I'll, I will. I'm will teasing do. the bush. Then we'll we'll get to the bush. But yeah, uh, the old bush about... case, if you will. <laughs> Showtime. What about you, weapons wise? Well, I think so. You have um, you have five slots where you can carry things, and oh, yeah, having yeah. the assault rifle gives you a lot more versatility. So if you don't have an assault rifle, it's like well. You better have a sniper for long range. You better have a submachine gun or shotgun for close range. And, you know, so that's going to take away a slot. But, yeah, definitely the assault rifle. What I don't like, the assault rifle with a scope, I don't have much of a use for that. Um, you know, I'd much rather use a sniper than a scoped assault rifle, unless you just use them to look around. But I probably won't use a spot on that. But definitely the assault rifle. And it kind of it kind of changes. Like, I went through a phase where I was getting a lot of kills with a submachine gun. Now I can't kill anybody with a submachine gun. I like mm-hmm. the shotgun better. So I don't know. Kind of it kind of comes in phases for me like that. But definitely the assault rifle. That'd be the first thing I would uh, look for. And right now I like the burst too. So if you're further yeah, away, sometimes the I carry. Guy. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, if you're further away, the burst I think is a lot more accurate to get uh, more damage. If you're close close range, not so much. But sometimes I'll carry a, a burst and a regular assault rifle. But the problem is they take the same ammo. So. I'll only do that if I have if we've maybe killed a guy and we've got more ammo than we normally would, but that's the only time that I would do that. But I agree with Jeff about the pistols. The pistols definitely have a purpose. You know, you can if you get one of the purple or gold pistols, you can uh you know, that's definitely a good way to go. Mm-hmm. And some of the pistols can be um silenced too, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but you brought up a good point that I didn't touch on, which was the inventory management. Um that kind of plays a part in the game too, because like he said, you only have five slots. So there's also um <clears throat> There is healing, so you can get med kits or bandages. There are shields. Um, there's small shields, large shields, or what they just added, which is a chug jug. The chug jug gives you full health and full shield, bringing you to 200 hit points. Yeah. Uh, but the catch with the chug jug is it takes was it 15 seconds to drink it? <clears throat> yeah. yeah, 15 yeah, yeah, seconds. Yeah. yeah also, so you like got if, the uh, you got the slurp so, juice too. Yeah, and slurp juice, which kind slurp of builds over good. time. And on um, the contrary, like, the slurp juice only takes, I think, two, maybe three seconds. I yeah. think it's two, though. So if, even if you're, like, in a battle, you can take that real quick. Yeah. You know? 
so you do have to kind of manage your inventory and decide you know who's going to take which which weaponry um but it's it's very team oriented because a lot there'll be sometimes where somebody will hit a jackpot in a chest and come out with a couple of really good weapons and somebody else might just get absolute shit from a chest um because you're never guaranteed anything out of a chest you could come away with you know a handful of smoke grenades and a shield and you have no gun um so you really do have to to cooperate as far as spreading out uh, weapons um and also the ammunition um the ammunition plays a big part in it too because you know if you get a rocket launcher but you haven't found any rockets you have one shot and that's pretty useless especially for me because i can't use the damn thing um so let's talk a little bit about the shooting you guys have played shooters before. Uh, one of the complaints I know, at least one of our listeners has said, one of the reasons he doesn't like Fortnite is because the shooting doesn't feel very good. Um, and I would agree with that. I mean, it's certainly not the most crisp of shooters that I've ever played in my life. Um, it's got a different feel. It's one of those games, I wouldn't call it bad. I think you just kind of have to get used to it. And then once you get the hang of it, um, you know, if you went back and played like a, like a Destiny that has super something tight. super sharp shooting, you would be yeah. like, "Oh man, uh, Fortnite's got pretty fucking awful shooting." But <laughs> that's how that's how I felt <laughs> when I played Planet Side too. Yeah, like it's it just felt imprecise compared yeah. to other other shooters that I was playing. But once you get the hang of it, like you know, it is what it is. You just kind of it's it's an acquired taste, kind of like mm-hmm. Coors Light at first. <laughs> Uh, I think would you one, guys I think agree with one, that? Uh, I do agree with that. I think the one big thing that I've noticed is the bullets travel like much slower than if you're yeah. playing like Call of Duty or something. So if you're if you have the sniper rifle out, you'll take a shot and it's like you can actually see the bullet like go yeah. across you know the map to hit the guy. So you got to account for that. So I I definitely wouldn't say it's bad. It's certainly different. Like uh, I play a lot of Call of Duty and like that's a big. It's tough for me to jump back and forth between the two games because it's so. Different. Eric, we were doing that for a while, where we played Fortnite and yeah, we got on Call yeah. of Duty, and uh, I wouldn't fare too well doing that. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely different. But once you get the hang of it, I don't think it's bad. No, I feel like I feel like it's one of those things too, where like night by night, it changes so much. Like some yes, nights, I agree some with, nights, I agree with that. I am absolutely on, and I'm like hitting everything that I'm shooting at. And then some nights, I mean, I couldn't hit a broadside of the barn. Like I couldn't be shooting. Well, worse, we've been know? there with FIFA before. I was, I was oh, just yeah, gonna yeah, say yeah, that. That's kind of yeah. your mo. So I don't know if that's really <laughs> fair to tag the game with that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I <tagged> personal <laughs> issue. <laughs> Yeah, I'd tag FIFA with that as well. Yeah, that's fair. No, I completely agree with that. Uh, the last time we played, I could tell like from the first one or two games that it just was not going to be my night, and I was going to be pretty useless. Yeah, you know but, early. You absolutely oh, know early yeah, whether or not it's going to yeah whether it's going to work or not. No, you know. So <clears throat> that's kind of the the game in a nutshell as far as you know what there is to do. So the the. The main goal is to be the final survivor, whether it's your whole team or one person on your team. So say we've got a team of four in, and as usual, Showtime and Jeff have dropped out early because they ran into the castle too fast, <laughs> Yeah, and I'm still hanging around. You know? It's accurate. Still it's hanging around. Yep. Uh, if I was to outlast the other 96 competitors, our whole team would get a victory, and you can you can watch it. So, and it's actually again that was Eric and his friends Jeff and Showtime talking about Fortnite. Fortnite's kind of the poster child for gaming in in 2018, and even the poster child for for pop culture in general. 
uh, it's gotten to the point where it's so so prevalent that uh, professional athletes are, you know, talking about it in, in interviews and and uh, it's it's kind of leaked into to, to modern pop pop culture and uh, it's it's one of those games that if you haven't heard at least heard of it I guess you are either very old or living in Iraq so uh, yeah that is it's a it's a massive massive success and probably far more popular than even the developers thought it would be so uh that was fortnite next up is dynasty warriors 9 episode 344 again this was one uh, i played a little bit of but i couldn't get it to work so will did again most of the heavy lifting uh being a fan of the dynasty warriors series like he is so he was the primary primary cover of this game so here is episode 344 dynasty warriors 9 drops it seemed to run consistently probably in the 50s so 14 percent of the reviews for the game are positive that's not very good which i think is the lowest i've ever seen especially for a major release like that you know you'd get 50 50 usually i think well to get into it this is omega forces like hack and slash open world game it's a very ambitious dynasty warriors title uh, all the other dynasty warriors titles really kind of follow the same formula and don't really deviate too much from it you're kind of on a fixed map and you do the battle kill the main bad guy you move on but with this one all of china is accessible from the very beginning you can traverse all of it which is a lot different so you can kind of explore the world kind of how you want to so the game has 90 characters in total which is the most in the Dynasty Warriors game, uh, there's a lot of them, uh, and it still has the one versus like thousands feeling that was in the other games, but with the elements of an open world game. So like, I easily like so it's split up into chapters, and I think there is twelve or thirteen total chapters in the game, uh, and each chapter has multiple sections per character. So you would be like, so say, for example, there'll be three sections in one chapter. So like you'll do the first critical mission, the second critical mission, the third critical mission, and then like you complete the chapter. Uh, And that varies here and there, depending on the character and how important they were to the chapter. Um, So it's kind of, it's a very weird game where you can just go right into battle, kill as many enemies as you want. Like, every section of the game, like, I would be killing 1,000 soldiers, usually at least, which is, you know, in the other Dynasty Warriors game, killing 1,000 soldiers is, like, on the high end. But, like, with this one, I was continuously hitting that because there's just so many enemies, like, everywhere on the map. So you can do that, but you can also, if you just want to explore, like, fish, craft, you can go do all that. You can collect resources for crafting, uh, you know, make gems to improve stats and weapon buffs. You can visit major cities where you can talk to soldiers, uh, other officers, whatnot. You can buy houses throughout the world, uh, visit tea houses for boosts, you know, hunt for animals like you do in Far Cry, just not as not as good, obviously. Uh, you upgrade your character stats. So it has all of that in there. Um, and, like, how these critical missions are presented, it's there will be that main mission, which is the critical mission. So that's, like, the over like the overarching like goal of the section of the chapter but there's going to be like little mini side missions where you can go take a fort and what it does is if you take the fort that's uh 
like owned by the enemy, it'll lower the morale of the opposing faction that you're fighting, and uh, will also lower the level of the overall mission. So say like you're a level 40 character, and you're over, the final mission's like 50, level 50. If you take like forts and do other side quests within the world, it'll bring that uh, main mission down levels down and make their morale low which means like your allies will be more willing to help fight uh they won't do as much damage you know they'll be weaker so on and so forth so that's sort of how the game is set up uh there are new things in the game such as like a grappling hook which i talked about i think last week where people were complaining that the grappling hook was in there even though you don't need to use it at all if you don't want to i really like the grappling hook because sometimes trying to Traverse cities is a pain because it's like a it's like a maze sometimes. Uh, so I can just throw it up on a wall and climb over it, which is really nice. Uh, every character has a bow too, and that's for hunting animals uh, or killing if you want. Or you can like be really awesome with a bow and not use your main main weapon, which is another like different way you can fight. And you can craft different arrows where like you can make like fire arrows and light things on fire, um, explosive arrows which will blow things up. Uh, the game also has a day and night system and a weather system as well. I think the game's really cool when it's like dark out and it's rainy. It kind of adds a lot of ambiance to like the mission. There is one mission in particular called uh, Fawn Castle where you're sieging a castle and it was dark and rainy out. And it was just really cool because like you're doing this. It's one of my favorite missions in the Dynasty Warriors game because the story. It's like like a big pivotal moment within the story of the game. Uh, so it's like really cool to add the layers of rain and um, the darkness and everything like that while you're killing thousands of soldiers. It's like a really cool thing. Um, and also the combat system is a little bit different too. Like the normal where you mash the triangle and the square button, you know, that's still there. But now if you hold the bumper button, so it's R1 or right bumper, and this is what Dan talked about a little bit, uh, and you press triangle, square, X, or circle, it'll do like a different sort of move. Uh, you can charge it up and make it a little bit more powerful, and the goal for that is to be able to string attacks together a little bit more easily mm-hmm. and get longer combo strings going. And I think there's a lot of clone characters in this game, which is a big complaint for a lot of people. I don't really have too much of an issue with it, but I think they're uh, like they're they're called flow, reactive, and trigger attacks, which is w- what the bumper is. That's what like uh-huh. the over the the moves are. I think they all flow differently and have a slightly different move set while you're stringing attacks together. So, like, the base attacks are the same, but I think the strings of combos are a little bit different and vary on the character. Um, I mean, if you have 90 characters in a game, it's really hard to make them all, like, super different from one another. Yeah, no, and, you know... I, I think with Dynasty Warriors, I'm not the type of person who's playing this game to have in-depth move sets for all these different characters. I kind of just want all-out war. Yeah, and you know that's what I'm playing this game for. I'm not looking for like a, a Dark Souls esque fighter. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not looking for anything difficult. If I want to play a difficult hack and slash game, I'll play something different. Yeah. Well, one. Th- I mean, one thing I wanted to ask you, Will, is, and this is a complaint that a lot of people levied against this game is, do you think it deviates too far from the standard Dynasty Warriors formula? Oh yeah. Trying to, trying to do something different, you know. Yeah, it definitely deviates majorly, uh, and I think what holds it back is the performance issues. Uh, the like the po- the texture pop in and out is kind of an issue. Um, I-, I think I said last week where where I briefly talked about it. I think the performance issues are very valid to knock a game on 
uh, frame rate, like that's a big deal. Like texture pop-ins, like there's moments where the game actually looks really, really pleasing and nice, and other times where it looks like a muddied mess and does not look good. So I think it's definitely fair to knock it for all of that, but I don't think it's fair to knock it because it's ambitious and then trying to branch out and do something different. It's like in music when your favorite band changes up their sound and people complain about it being different. But if they make the same music, people also complain for them staying the same, so you really don't win. Like, yeah. how many times have people complained about all the Dynasty Warriors game being the same? Yeah. A lot of people. But in Dynasty Warriors 6, where they change up the formula, that's the most hated game in the franchise because they tried different things. So then 7 and 8 was a return to form. 9, you know, they deviate heavily. Even more so than 6, people hate on it. Uh-huh. Um, gotcha. Now... I think another thing that's very very valid is kind of saying that the world is kind of empty. Um, I don't think... There's no point, really. Like I'm under-leveled with my second character that I'm playing as right now, but I'm able to take on the critical missions pretty easily. There's really no reason for you to do the side missions other than getting a little bit of story or kind of screwing around. I'm somebody who likes to clear the red off the map, which is extremely difficult in this game, which the red is all of the uh, enemies on the map. I'm that type of person I like to clear it and have it all be like my army converging on the one base, but it's really kind of hard in this game because there's just it's so big and there's so many enemies out there. Like it's kind of crazy to see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I can I will say like the world is kind of empty and the game is rough around the edges. Like I'm definitely going to admit that. Like it's not a great game, but I think that they have the shell of a really good game. Um, and I'll say that I think the, the Dynasty Warriors story is underratedly a story I find really interesting uh, because they strike a balance of a big, like, very factual, but also kind of, like, they dramatize it a little bit mm-hmm. for to make it a little bit more interesting and less dry. Um, and while the voice acting is some of the worst voice acting in the series... It was pretty bad. I will uh, agree with that. Like, we, the four of us could go into the booth and put out way better voice acting for this game. Do it. Like I don't, I really do not understand how they got voice actors that bad. Yeah. But um, the story overall is pretty cool, and how it works is like so because there's like twelve or thirteen chapters in the game, so like the kind of, the story follows like the perspective of the character while they were in that moment. So, for example, like a big moment in the game is like one. Again, that was Will talking about Dynasty Warriors 9. Uh, I'm pretty sure he played that game backwards and forwards. I know he put a lot of hours into it. He beat it a few different times, so he definitely got his money's worth out of that one. And I never ended up revisiting it. Not sure why. Um, it's I enjoy those types of games. I just I never never went back to it. But uh, playing a lot of other things, obviously. So uh, that's one of the ones that fell by the fell by the wayside for me. Uh, next up on the list is another game that I did not play in time to talk about it for the episode, and that's Far Cry 5. I have since played Far Cry 5 uh, and, and have my own own thoughts on it, so uh, which you can hear in subsequent episodes, but not on this one. So this is uh, Eric, and, er, Eric and Corey talking about, not Eric and Corey, Eric and Will talking about Far Cry 5. And you have to escape from being kidnapped as well. And they're not kidnapping them to kill them or anything. They're kidnapping them to indoctrinate them into the cult, which I thought is kind of a cool little twist because in the other Far Cry games, they would be taking them just to go kill them. Yeah. Uh, and that would be that. But in this one, they're just trying to indoctrinate them into believing into uh, this thing called the Bliss, which is like 
the the thing they use to indoctrinate him. It's basically kind of like the drug aspect of this Far Cry, as opposed to it being like, you know, how it was in past games. But I found that the cult was very creepy. Um, I kind of got Eric. I don't know how you felt, but I was a little unnerved <clears throat> going into the church to arrest Joseph Seed. It was kind of yeah. like I was uncomfortable. Yeah, they. I I thought the. Uh opening sequence to the game was awesome. It's really well done. Like Will said, I think creepy is a really good way to describe the uh, <clears throat> the feeling when you go, when the helicopter lands there and you have to walk through all the followers who are holding guns and like looking at you and saying things to you as you walk by them. Yeah. And, like, you know, it yeah. feels like any second all hell can break loose. <laughs> and like the religious undertones of the cult that they're presenting is just like kind of jarring like it makes me uncomfortable because it's just like it's crazy religion it's not like normal religion um and i I think they do a good job too while you're like walking around there you can hear he's like preaching to people mm -hmm. in the church and you can kind of hear it from outside the church and there's like this music playing that's kind of uh i guess could be hypnotic to yeah a group like that um it, it was just a really set the atmosphere really well dan for reference to you it is very it, it was eerily similar to how some of uh, bioshock infinite was with okay yeah. the religion aspect it reminded me pretty heavily of that Interesting. Um, yeah. to, the, to the point of like i'm going to play back play bioshock infinite after this because like it kind of sparked up like i really love like the religious cult aspect of it which was also in bioshock infinite yeah. Um, I think it's a cool concept, so I, I, I'm pretty interested in that. Because as Eric said, like, the music that they're playing, like, the, like, prayers that they're having, and, like, just kind of, like, their general disposition to you is just kind of, it's just it, it, an interesting concept to me. Nice. Okay. It is uh, called Project at Eden's Gate, by the way. Okay, Project at Eden's Gate is the, the cult. Okay. Uh, so what's what's new or different about this particular Far Cry that you've experienced so far? Uh, the main thing is there's no radio towers. Oh. Uh, they actually call attention to that pretty early. There's one radio tower. <laughs> yeah, so there is one radio tower. Uh, so the game starts off, you're in a tutorial area where you have to liberate it uh, from the guy who saves you. So you're liberating that by doing the, the usual Far Cry things like taking over outposts, destroying structures, uh, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, and then he's like, all right, I'm going to have you climb this radio tower to... Uh, reconnect comms and you get while you're climbing it he goes now i know what you're thinking you probably think i'm going to be having you climb these radio towers throughout the world he's like don't worry this is the only one you're doing nice <laughs> so the game world is explored by you like the old days just hoofing it on foot or driving on car flying helicopters or planes that's how you discover like the game world cool um there is that. Another thing is the game is split up between three areas where Joseph's siblings own. Uh, so, like, the southwest is uh, John's seed, uh, out east is Faith's seed, and then up north is Jacob's seed. Uh, and I don't they, think Faith is, is a sibling. You know what? No, because I went to... the. I'm in Faith's area right now, and kind of her backstory is she kind of... She was a drug addict, basically, and then that's how she kind of she was saved by the the cult. But the other two are she brothers. Found herself in religion. Yeah. Which Eric? Which which direction did you go? Uh, I don't know. Did you did you go to? Um, I went to the pumpkin farm. Okay, so that was that's the area that I went to first. Yeah, same here. And then 
I've kind of been sticking around there just doing some some stuff. Yeah, like uh, I kind of was I was going to go to because I read a little bit about this game beforehand. Uh, and they said that if you go to where Faith is, who is East, the game is a little different from the old older Far Cry, like three and four with like how the enemies are kind of how she is as an antagonist. Uh, but I felt like John Seed was kind of more of a jerk and brutal, so I wanted to take him out first. So that's why I went I went down south or southwest, which is where the pumpkin farm is and all of that. Um, so I was just you know wrecking havoc over there. Yeah, that's that's probably where I'll end up heading as I move on. I actually just failed a mission before we uh, started recording. Oh I was really? Trying to get the Death Wish car. I think it's called Death Wish. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I blew it up. <laughs> did you reload, or did you just so, kind of roll with it? No, it reloads automatically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's actually one of my, I guess, complaints about the game, is it feels a little bit less focused, I think, than the other ones. As open as they have all been, I felt like I knew a little more about what I needed to do um, in the other ones. Um, yeah, no, you're right. this mission, I had no idea that I was supposed to capture this car. I thought I was supposed to just stop it, so I threw a grenade at it <laughs> and blew it up. Um, and, you know, that could be because I, you know, I'm not paying 100% attention to everything all the time. But To be fair, Far Cry games you don't really need to be 100% in to play. Yeah, well, yeah, that's exactly it. They're just like a big playground. Yeah. Um, and... I don't know. I I have just felt a little less directed. Yeah, previous. because you kind of how the game is structured is you go to like a main area within the three sections of the game world where the three um, leaders like run the area. So you're kind of directed into one area and like you'll be doing quests for the resistance and that gains up your resistance power to be able to take on uh, the main like sib- like sibling in the game. So you're just pretty much doing a bunch of quests without there being a clear narrative, I guess you can say. Like, it's all part of the narrative of the area, but it's not all, like, interconnected, kind of like how a past Far Cry game is, where you're kind of taking out the boss or pagan men. Um, You're kind of doing, like, oh, can you go... Like, a quest that I did was there's a big statue in face area of Joseph Seed, and I went and blew it up. Like, think of Rio de Janeiro, where they have the statue of Jesus. Like, it was, like, that big, and, like, I'm shooting rock on. So that was Far Cry 5. Um, I think the gist of that is it's uh, it's another Far Cry game, and I very much got that impression from my time with it. Uh, it's kind of a make-your-own-fun mayhem type of game. I don't know that Eric or Will played that much more of it. I feel like they played it for maybe another week or two. Uh, got partway into the story and, and kind of abandoned it. I haven't played it in a while, but it's mostly because I'm highly addicted to the Switch right now and, and the games that are on there. And, and the convenience factor is is second to none there. So I've also not played Far Cry. Uh, we, got, we got a feedback last week actually about uh, from Tate uh, about how, how kind of poor the story was. So that, that did turn me off a little bit to it. Uh, so if I do end up going back to it, I'll probably just try to power through the rest of it and and uh, just to say I beat it and add it to the beaten games list. So, uh, But, that, I mean, those games are always, uh, uh, this. a lot of times the side stuff is more interesting than the actual main story. Uh, I did like the main story in Far Cry 4, but uh, not so much Far Cry 3. 
Far Cry Primal. I don't remember the story. Didn't matter. It was Far Cry BC, you know. Uh, okay, so next on the list is Nino Kuni 2. Uh, Corey was back on for this one. This might have been the first episode he was back on since he, he kind of gave up doing the show every week. Uh, but he has played a lot of Far Cry, or not Far Cry, yeah, Nino Kuni 2. So here is Corey and me a little bit talking about Nino Kuni 2 interstitial of any sort like everything is polished and one of that's one thing i really liked about civ 6 is is just this this grand presentation and in this nice little package i don't know um one of my favorite parts and examples in nino kuni 2 is the chapter interludes where you mm-hmm. get the little bit of narration and then the guy says chapter four and it's like a little fairy tale storybook roll out of the title and all that stuff. I don't know why that stuff appeals to me so much. Uh, but when you pair that with the, the normal gameplays art style and everything, it's just, it's just a really pretty escape. Yeah. You know what it is? It's, it's attention to detail. You know, yeah. they took, they took the time to make sure the transition from one chapter to another is a, is a pleasant experience along with the rest of the game. Yep. You know, it, it like I said, it's attention to detail. It shows, you know, they spent some time with this game, you know, Definitely, definitely. And um, that, I mean, that for me is good on its own, but I think the gameplay and everything else that comes with it is is there to back it up. Yeah. There's a surprising amount of systems in this game. There is a lot going on in it. Yep. Uh, which I like. I feel like when they first introduce a new system in this game, I f- I'm like, oh man, I'm never, never going to get this. And then you spend like two minutes in the menus looking at it and you're like, Oh, that's, that's easy. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, so there is a lot of stuff, but it's not, uh, it's not super complex. Right. Yeah. And that's one, one issue I have with the game that sort of plays into that because there are a lot of systems and a lot of min maxing and tweaking that you can do to really improve, improve your party. Uh, but the game's overall fairly easy mm-hmm. and it's a complaint I've seen echoed online too. So I'm not alone in that. Um, and I made the mistake, something I like to do when I play role-playing games is figure out how to optimize things early on for to have success down the road. I always talk about how I, I like when there's game-breaking uh, systems put in that if you figure out and tweak exactly, you can become super powerful. Um, I don't know why I like that so much, but uh, what happens when you take advantage of those things is the game gets boring. I mean, there's a reason why we don't use cheat, cheat codes anymore because it makes the game too easy and boring. Um, and Nino Kuni 2 is, in my opinion, too easy. So it kind of sucks to have all those systems built in without really a need to tweak them. Uh, they're fun. It's fun to do, you know, change which part, which uh, uh, elemental, elemental spells your party is strong against uh tweak what kind of items the enemies drop like all those things are fun to mess with but because the game's easy there's not really a reason to spend a lot of time on it Mm -hmm. Uh, that said the mistake i made early on is there's this thing called the tactic tweaker and that's tweaking things about your party uh and there's this one grid where you can adjust sliders and you can choose whether you want enemies to drop more experience or more gold or more rare items or more rare materials and you have to choose between the two um and right off the bat i set my sliders all the way to more experience thinking i was you know 
trying to get out ahead of the game a little bit, but uh, it turns out I didn't re- even really need to do that, and I was already overleveled for an easy game, which kind of made the the early parts of the game a breeze for me, and I've scaled that back ever since just to try and up the difficulty a little bit. But I find myself like approaching enemies that are five to ten levels higher than me before the game is challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of finding the same. We talked about this on Easter, actually, uh, and you warned me not to put anything into the experience boost and i haven't i've also tried not to fight everything on the way to whatever my my goal is because that's that's my normal go-to in an rpg like this is to fight all the random encounters on your way because a lot of times you do need that experience uh to level up your characters to be powerful enough but yeah in this in this game's case i've had one battle where i one of my characters lost their all their health and that that's it you know it's it's other than that it's been it's been pretty easy Mm-hmm. I think I, I I did die. I did have a couple TPWs, total party wipeouts. I don't, do people still say that? Is that still a thing? I don't think that was ever a thing. <laughs> TPW. Yeah, I think we it was it was in like the EverQuest uh, yeah. handbook. I don't know that it, maybe it was a thing. I don't remember. Whoever wrote but. that handbook was like, "There's got to be a phrase. For, I'll just make one up." Yeah, and then I'll and then people people might have had it carried it along as a joke. Uh, well, anyway, I had a couple TPWs fighting some of there's uh like contracts you can ha- you can get uh, side quests to hunt more difficult monsters that are like enhanced with evil and they have like a purple aura around them on the world map. Yeah, uh, and they're a little bit more difficult, but I try I tried to fight one that was like ten levels above me, and I couldn't run from the battle. Uh, so I just had to let it kill me because I was just doing no damage and I was just using up all my items trying to beat them. So that happened um speaking of the world map though how did you feel about the chibi art style on the world map uh it took me aback at first i was yeah. not expecting it but me too. Uh, once i once i got used to it i was like oh that's that's kind of neat yeah uh yeah you the 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 chibi art styles for the world map and then the normal graphics which if you're in the live stream uh that's what it looks like when you're in like a dungeon or a town or something like that so yep. it's, it's it's neat it's a neat neat transition I started to get a little worried too because I, I don't I don't know exactly how long I had played the game before I even saw the world map. Um, so at that point, they probably could have showed me anything, and I would have been grateful. I would have been like, "Yeah, all right, a world map." Yeah. Maybe they were worried about what people would think of the chibi, so they like delayed it until you were grateful to see a world map. Oh yeah, I don't know. I never never thought about that. It was like two hours in, I think, before you before you get to that point. It was a while. It was definitely after the first chapter. Mm-hmm. Well, let's yeah, talk well, it, ab- it was right after the first chapter. Yeah, let's talk about uh, some of the systems more in depth here. Uh, first, the the combat system. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have your your standard uh, slash attack and then power attack. Uh, there's jump abilities, and then uh, you all every character also has ranged. Uh, so the one of the main characters has a like a pistol that he uses uh evan the the king who was deposed by the um i don't even what did mouse people what are they yeah mouseignor mouseignor they have a name for their species but i'm not sure what it is yeah i'm not familiar enough with the nino kuni universe to remember any of that but um yeah he he's got magic and then uh some of the characters have bows uh that that's i think i've only unlocked four of the party members so far um, but then there's there's uh, variations on that, uh, and the, are they called Higgle, Higgledies? Higgledies, yeah. 
these. I haven't quite figured them out completely, but they're basically like little, uh, little spirits, I guess. Yeah, little sprites. Uh, that have elemental types, and you have them in your party, and they're named ones, but they're in like a group of others, and they're they kind of scatter themselves on the battlefield, uh, and you can activate their abilities. They'll have like a. So that was from episode 350, Nino Kuni 2. Corey has since gone on to beat that game, and I believe he put like 70 some, 70 70 some, 75, 70 plus hours into it. So that's got to tell you something. He hasn't played too many games this year, uh, but that's that's one of them that he sunk a lot of time into. So that's a, a quality game, a lengthy game, and, and one of the biggest complaints that we talked about here, and, and Corey especially, is the lack of difficulty. Uh, which they have since addressed, so that's another another reason to at least investigate this game. It's on PS4 and PC. Um, I really liked it. Ran great on my PC. Ran perfectly on the ultra wide monitor that I have. So that's a that's a good one. Uh, next up on the list, a early game of the year contender. I would say probably will win a lot of game of the year awards. Is is God of War? Uh, we had another guest on for this episode, which was uh, Eric and Will's friend Mike. Uh, he will be on again, too. I think we might want to have him on for the Fortnite episode also. He also plays a lot of Fortnite. so. Uh, but yeah, this is them talking about God of War for the PS4. It's probably the best-looking game I've ever played on a console. Uh-huh. It's just like, man, it's so crisp, and everything is just so good to look at. And I love the environments and the detail in the environments. It uh, really adds to the look of the game. Um, so far, I'm really enjoying the the story. It's a little cliche with the father and son, like teaching them how to, you know, fight or whatever. But uh, Kratos is such a dickhead. And, uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of funny how he interacts with his son, who's like a little wily kid, and he just calls him boy all the time, and he's just such an asshole. Nice. He really um, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm enjoying the uh the interaction between the two of them. Um the fighting is is pretty good. I actually I was a little worried about the the combat because I had read and heard some things about the camera being difficult to control. I ended up turning up the sensitivity uh-huh. on the um horizontal axis. Because it was a little slow, I felt like. I'd push okay. a stick and it didn't respond real quick. Um, so I changed that and knocked, knocked that up a little bit. But the, the combat is really fun. I've, I've had a really good time with it. Um, it kind of reminds me... It, it's not difficult like Dark Souls, but I it's, feel like it, when you go... It looks like it's slower moving, like Dark Souls. Yeah, as like a, there's as some opposed, strategy to it. Like yeah, blocking and dodging and things like that. As opposed to a more hack and like a fast hack and slash like a bayonetta, right, you know? right. Um, but like when you go into, you know, on Dark Souls, you can kind of tell you go into a certain spot and you you know there's going to be a couple enemies there. Yep. it's kind of got that feel to it where there'll be like you know four or five droggers or whatever they're called. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, the the combat is a blast and the enemies are really cool looking. Uh, I've come up against, I think two or three bosses now i guess you could call them bosses so like there are some enemies again kind of similar to dark souls with a like really big scope to them which i think is similar to the other god of war games from what i what i gather uh like humongous enemies which you know gives you kind of a different feeling which is fun um 
the axe, I think, is really cool. Being able to uh, throw your axe as a ranged weapon, having that ability at all times, um, and call it back to you. And I think it's really cool that when you call it back to you, if you line it up correctly, if it hits the enemy, it does more damage to them. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's a little more strategy to it. Um, and having your son with you to kind of distract the enemy uh, is really cool. And I'm really looking forward to getting into the skill tree more and upgrading some of the son's abilities so he's a little more useful other than just uh, shooting arrows and distracting. Um, he does a little bit of damage, but... Yeah, I think uh, those are probably my, my initial thoughts on the game. I think it's fantastic. I really, there hasn't been much at all that I don't like about it. The only thing I would say with the combat is some of the kills you can do, like if you stun an opponent, you can do these, like, I can't remember what they're called, but uh, kind of like finishing moves on them. Mm-hmm. They get really repetitive. Okay. Definitely. It's they, they really could have added some more animations with that and a little more variety. But other than that, uh, I've really enjoyed it. Okay. Anything you guys want to add on top of that from your from your first few hours? Uh, just for, you know, initial initial thoughts. I think uh, he hit it on the on the nose there. I think if you've noticed this, Eric, I think one of the most amazing things about this game, from a technical standpoint, is from the minute you hit new game until the end credits. Uh, it's one single camera shot, of course, unless you die. But yeah. it is one fluid shot, so it goes seamlessly right into cutscenes, into to narrative, into dialogue. And just from a technical standpoint, it's it makes it a very cinematic experience. But that is just, I think, I don't think I've ever played a game where that's been, you know, there's never been a cut on camera uh, to that extent. Yeah, wow. and the thing that's, that's awesome. cool about that is it, it keeps you in the game. You know, right, right. You don't right. have those loading screens and all that stuff to worry about. So, like, you don't. It's 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 a large game, but it's one of those things because of what you're talking about, Mike. You know, an hour can go by and you don't even realize it because you're just so kind of entranced by the game and you know just keeping going because it doesn't feel like there's ever a break. You know what I mean? It doesn't <laughs> feel like there's ever a good time to stop. Yeah, that. I mean, that's yeah. a good thing because a lot of times, uh, you, I'm sure you guys have done this. When there's like a loading screen, you'll you'll pick up your phone. Yeah. Right. You know, you'll scroll around on your phone and you'll be like, "Oh, I'm back in the game," and you know, yep. you'll have just completely taken your mind out of whatever game you're playing. That's interesting that they that yeah. they do that. Exactly. I think it's a really smart move this day and age. I think that's a good uh, good thing to hit on there because, yeah. like, just like you said, I do that all the time. Like. Yep. If I'm playing Fortnite or something like that, in between matches, I'm on my phone while the thing's loading up. Yeah. Uh, but with God of War, you don't have a chance to get taken out of the game, which is really good. I was uh, actually playing before work on Thursday, and like I was like, all right, there'll be a time where I can conveniently stop playing. Wow. <laughs> and like I just did not find that time to the point where I was like, all right, I, I literally need to just like close the app and leave for work because I could not stop playing. Huh. That's interesting. Uh so let let's uh go into the story a little bit. I mean does it does it give you any context as to why he's in the like north, I guess, and experiencing north mythology instead of the like Mediterranean mythology? So, I don't think they've ever is in the experience that I've had so far in the what I've played, I haven't gotten a direct revelation as to why, uh, but there have been some convoluting lines of dialogue as to uh it looks like that's gonna be explored later on oh okay um definitely because there have been some little bombs that have been dropped by supporting characters um without saying too much as to 
we're going to explore a lot more about uh, the transition that Kratos undergoes. And it's, it's really, this is a personal story about Kratos. Um, and Eric and Will, I don't know if you guys got this vibe, but I really, really get the strong vibe. Uh, and the narrative is very similar. Kratos and Atreus is kind of mirrors Joel and Ellie from The Last of Us. Yeah. Uh, and I, I get that vibe yeah. a lot. And Joel is very harsh with Ellie in the beginning of The Last of Us. And you get to see their relationship evolve, even as, you know, the, the, the main lead Kratos evolves. And I think that's really what's uh, this game lives and dies by is that relationship. So um, it is a little cliche, the father son, but the fact that you have two people um, pushing the narrative forward is amazing because in those quiet moments when there's not a major cutscene or a major battle and you're just. So that was God of war. Not one I played one. I'll hopefully get to by the end of the year, by the time the thummy episodes, uh, thummy episodes episode rolls around. Uh, I don't know if I'll get a chance to play it. I'll have to suffer through hours of using the joy not Joy-Con, the DualShock, excuse me, DualShock 4 uh, controller, which I really don't like very much, but I think it's worth it. I don't think it'll be bad for playing a game like this. It's a you know an action game, so it won't be as as hard for me as like a Horizon Zero Dawn was with the with all the aiming and stuff. So that was God of War, and the last game on the 2018 mid-year recap is going to be Frostpunk. So Frostpunk is a is a game that uh, Corey, I think, was the one that ended up buying it, or was it Will? I don't know. It doesn't matter, but uh, Corey didn't end up playing and was on for for this episode. I might have bought it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We, we Steam family shared it. Um, so yeah, Frostpunk, a strategy PC game. Uh, like I said, Corey was back on for this episode. Um, I don't think he played any more of it uh, after, after the fact, but I know I put in plenty of time after the fact uh it's it's one again one that got away uh as they seem to do nowadays so here is from episode 356 frostpunk uh what are your thoughts on frostpunk so um it's it's hard for me to say whether i really liked it or just thought it was good because i'm not really sure um it's definitely addicting yeah. And I spent at least one night where it was just like, okay, I just want to finish this scenario. And it ended up being like 3.30 in the morning and I had to work the next day and I paid for it. Um, which is something I like in games. I like that that feeling where you don't want to stop. Yeah. Um, and that's actually something I struggle with because I can't tell if I'm just addicted to what I'm doing or if I'm actually enjoying it. Um, and, and Frostpunk is definitely guilty of that. And the other, the other main point I'll say about Frostpunk is I really loved this war of mine. Uh Um, I think at one point I, on this show, I called it the greatest war video game ever made. Yeah. Um, same developer. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I should have said that, but, um, I will say that a lot of the decisions and the quote unquote tragedies going on around you, aren't as impactful in yeah. Frostpunk as they are in this war of mine. And I think it loses There's... a little bit of the personal aspect yeah. of this There's... war of mine. There's definitely a degree of separation more so than this war of mine, because I think it's because you're overseeing. I mean, you start with a hundred people and they slowly uh, have problems, but you know, you don't really, at least I didn't in my experience with it, get to know people on an individual, more individual level. It was just yeah. kind of a name. 
and like you know they have a portrait and stuff and and wishes and desires but i, I didn't get to the point where i micromanaged that enough uh, to have it be impactful when, you know, just when your people are as a group are like freezing or whatever, or suffering from frostbite or, or sick. Yeah. You know, you want you want to help them out. But, yeah, there's not that personal touch that that's in this war of mine. Definitely. The only time I paid attention to the actual names and who was doing what was when I built the public house, which is where your characters can go to drink to lower discontent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kept a mental tally of who was frequenting the public house. Yeah, I just because just because I thought it was funny, it served no purpose. But right, um, it's just at my own entertainment. Yeah, to keep keep tabs on the lushes in there. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it's a city building game. It's a you know resource management, all that stuff. Uh, to me, the most important resource is coal. So coal is what keeps your your generator, your steam generator going. Uh, that's what provides the warmth for your civilization. Uh, and then you kind of build in a circle outward from there. Uh, so one thing you have to make, you have to keep tabs on is is obviously the temperature. It's very cold. So uh, I, te- I I don't know about you, Cor, but I tended to try to put my living quarters course closer to the the core of the thing. Yeah. Um, just to keep when people are sleeping. If if the temperature is low, they're more likely to get sick. Uh, so I tried to tried to keep keep the the living quarters as close to that as I could. Uh, but you know, once that runs out, then everyone gets cold and hope drops, and then like your hot house doesn't work. Uh, so that was that was kind of my my thing. And even though that was kind of my focus and and gathering coal, I still it still stalled out on me twice because I ran mm-hmm. out of coal. Yeah, uh, from mismanaging my resources and stuff. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite good. I, I, I found myself to be loving this game. Um, the, I don't know the, the, it's really nicely presented. Uh, it, it, everything is like kind of right there. I don't know what you thought about the UI, Corey, but it's, 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 it's very simple, very easy to read, uh, but you could tell there's definitely some strategic depth to the game. Um, I, I don't know. I, did you, how far did you get? Did you beat the first scenario? I did not beat the first scenario. I've probably put about four hours into it. Okay. Um, I'm in, I'm, I'm deep into the London Londoners, mm-hmm. uh, threatening to leave my civilization thing right now. And I'm not having a good time with that. Okay. They um, would. So. <laughs> so my, my thoughts were very similar to yours at, at the point you're in uh, in the game but the more i played it the more shallow i thought it was so i'll be curious to see if if you feel the same way once you play a little bit more um and, and i'm only saying that because after i beat the first scenario and went into the second scenario um i kept the same normal difficulty and everything and it was just really easy uh-huh. it just became like the ending part was the only challenge uh, challenging part of the game, and that was pretty much just a race against time. Uh, and you kind of like it is in the first. I don't know if you got to that point in the first scenario. It's without spoiling anything. It's just uh-huh. time becomes a major factor, um, and that was the case in the second one as well. And you kind of know going into that final challenge whether you're going to be successful or not. Um, and I had no difficulty managing. So there's two status bars you have to manage your. Uh, civilization is the wrong word. Your society, I guess, your society's discontent bar and their hope bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no issue keeping hope way up and discontent way down in both scenarios. I did like my first couple games just because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, but once I kind of figured out what I was doing, it was very easy to to manage those bars and keep my people from getting sick. Um, it was more of a matter of just 
being anal about constantly building. Okay. Uh, which I don't really like in in strategy games. Um, it's just it's one of those things where it's like I've talked. I think I what game did I talk about it in? I know I talked about it in Banish, which Reefer has already mentioned in our Twitch chat. But um, what was that one like pixel game that I played that was a sim? Kingdoms and castles, or something like that. I think yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's just like if you want to expand, you have to take into account all these other things in order to expand, and that's the the loop, the gameplay loop, uh-huh. um, which I'm not crazy about because I didn't feel like there was enough random things going on to throw you curveballs um, in order to challenge you on how you want to respond. Um, right. It was just very, very straightforward. And even in second playthroughs of the first scenario, um, very little difference in, in what happens. Uh-huh. And I think one of my favorite parts of the game is the exploration part. So you can yeah. build this thing in your your society called the Beacon. And it's this big like hot air balloon that floats up and sends a signal out to people in, in your area. And you can then uh, create scouts at that beacon and send scouts out into the wasteland. Um, is the wasteland the right term? Yeah. Frozen, frozen tundra. Frozen tundra. Yeah. Uh, which is actually pretty cool because you're finding stuff and um, bringing stuff back and finding new people for your civilization. Uh, but even that isn't randomized. It's the same. Oh, is it really? Um, sometimes the result is different. So there's one where I had to, I forget exactly what I had to do, but it, it just seemed like it was one of those things where it was like 50, 50, you either succeed or you don't. And that's not all that interesting to me. Right. Uh, and even in the random things that happen in your civilization that pop up and you get to make decisions, they're very much the same every time. And um, the, de- the decision you make, I did notice only one instance where I made the same decision and it was a different outcome, but it was a very uninteresting, different outcome. Uh-huh. Um, all that said, it is a very, like you said, Dan, it is a, it is a very well-crafted game. I just wish there was a little bit more, more variety, more variety, more randomness going on. And I felt the same way about the second. So that was episode 356 Frostpunk. Uh, Again, that was a game that I wish I'd kept playing, but I I didn't. I actually ended up even streaming this one a couple times, uh, which was fun. It definitely creates a, a really great environment if you like winter, which I don't. But I still enjoy the environment. I like to be able to experience that sort of thing from the comfort of my own house in front of my computer. You know, not uh, something I want to be involved in in, in real life because I hate the cold. Uh, so yeah, that concludes all of our 2018, 2018 mid year recap games. Um, there was eight games. Uh, Honestly, it was weird to see episodes 341, 342, 343, and 344 all in a row. Uh, That's heavy content days. Um, So for next week, as I said, we're going to be covering Octopath Traveler. Uh, I think me, Will, Eric, and Corey are going to be out for this episode, which is great. I know we've at least all played uh, Octopath Traveler, so we should all be early on, assuming everyone's schedule works out, which I, I mean... They know what day we record, so hopefully, hopefully we can get that get that going. Uh, we should be back to live streaming next week too. I didn't didn't end up live streaming 
this week. Uh, unfortunately, I wanted to do some gaming if I got this done early enough. That is not the case. It took me way longer than I thought it was going to, which I feel like happens every single year. Uh, but it's fine. It's fun. It's something different to do. Um, I'm also not going to tell you to subscribe to our channel on Twitch because I did not live stream this week. I will, however, say that all of our episodes go up on YouTube now, including this one, even though there was no live stream. So uh, if you want to help out, just subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, it's usually the Twitch stream that goes on our, our YouTube channel for, for the week's episode. But this week it will not be. It'll just be the kind of banner that we use for the episode uh, in the background and then then just the audio from it. So, um, yeah hopefully like i said back to normal next week uh once again we really have to start streaming after the episodes uh it just it's been a busy summer so uh thanks again for listening everyone uh we very much appreciate the support we've gotten from our community uh i for some reason it it triggered last week uh and me how how uh, awesome all of our listeners are and, and interacting with us in our in our live streams it's it's really great uh, so, so thank you listeners, uh, and fans for, for your support. Uh, it's, it's really awesome. So, uh, that'll do it for episode 365 of the Thumbstick Athletes podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and thanks for listening and get out of my basement. Ah!